Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to do The Ultimate Fighter, Season 1, Episode 8. Um, just to give you guys a little bit of background, I know my fans do not care. They want to hear quality material, as they should. But um, I just had a little bit of work with a physical therapist on my shoulder. So if you hear me grunt in some type of pain while I'm moving my shoulder, you know, adjusting my arm for these podcasts, please bear with me. Um, just pretend I'm in an MMA fight and I'm getting submitted with an arm bar or something. Um, my shoulder is bothering me, but I promise you I will do my best to uh, deliver you guys some quality material from The Ultimate Fighter. All right, so just a recap of the last episode. Uh, Stefan Bonner called out Bobby Southworth after Team Couture won their first team challenge, leading them to their first team victory as Stefan Bonner beats Bobby Southworth in an extremely controversial judge's decision. Half the fighters from, excuse me, half the fighters felt that Bobby won, while some felt Bonner won on Team Couture. Even, Di- even Dana White felt it should have won a third round. Um, so my, my personal opinion, um, it really could have went either way, to be honest with you. Um, Stefan Bonner, he definitely applied a lot more pressure. He was constantly in Bobby Southworth's face. Um, he was just throwing punches left and right. Uh, it was a little bit cringy to watch uh, Stefan Bonner fight because he threw so many punches and probably like one out of six of his punches landed. I mean, he threw so many punches and so many of them missed. It was just very cringy to watch. It was very hard for me to believe that Stefan Bonner is a Golden Glove boxing champion after watching this. I mean, he missed so many punches. Uh, Bobby Southworth, he came out. He was not as aggressive, but he had some really powerful hands. He has really powerful knockout power. He's a really muscular guy, where Stefan Bonner is more of a tall, thin guy. And Bobby Southworth is a little bit shorter. He's built more like a tank. And uh, he has some really powerful knockout power. There's a couple times where he caught Stefan Bonner with some powerful punches. And it looked like he could have knocked him out. Um, Stefan Bonner got a couple takedowns, but Bobby Southworth also, you know, reversed the takedowns. I think the mistake that Bobby Southworth made in this fight was that he didn't, uh, keep him on the ground. There's a couple times where he had Bobby, uh, he had Stefan Bonner on the ground and I feel like he probably could have landed some really powerful punches. Uh, Bobby Southworth was scared of Stefan Bonner's ground game, in my opinion, because, uh, Stefan Bonner trains with, I think, was it Carlson Gracie? Who's one of the highest levels Brazilian jiu-jitsu athletes in the world. So he was scared of the submissions, you know what I mean? Uh, The fight really could have went either way. You know, some people are arguing that Bobby Southworth had some more critical punches, while other people are arguing that, you know, Stefan Bonner put the pressure on him. It it really could have went either way. It probably should have went for a third round. It's really sad to see a fighter get eliminated from the show when it's such a controversial decision like that. But that's one of the things uh, Dana White really emphasizes. He says, you know, don't let it go to decision. Um, You know, he let it go to decision. And a lot of times... You know, the referees make calls that I don't like. You know, a lot of times the referees stand up the fight when I feel like it should stay on the ground. So you can't even trust the referees. What makes you think you can trust the judges? You know what I mean? This is a new sport. A lot of these judges don't have a background in mixed martial arts. So their opinions may vary. And even then, you could have two experts in mixed martial arts. You could have a guy that's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You could have another guy who's been training in MMA for like 10 years. And they could both have different opinions about who won the fight. So it really doesn't matter sometimes. It's just, this is kind of how the sport goes. You know, even Dana felt like the fight should have went to the third round. Uh, Bobby is upset with the outcome and feels he won the fight, while Bonner is grateful he won. Nathan defends Stefan winning because Stefan put the pressure on Bobby. Moving forward the entire time, uh, Diego talks about how Bobby almost knocked out Bonner on the feet. Yeah, I mean, he hit him with some really powerful punches, like I was saying. Bonner charges forward and puts pressure on his opponents while Bobby sits back and waits for his opponent and throws powerful punches. Uh, Dan recaps the fight as well and said that he believes it should have went to a draw. So a lot of people felt like it was a draw as well. It was, it's really sad to see a fighter get eliminated for a fight like that. Uh, Dana talks about how ridiculous the judge's scoring was. 
Two judges had Bonner winning 2-0, while one judge had Bobby winning 2-0. So, yeah, these judges are all over the place. You, you never want to leave the fight in the judges' scorecards, even to this day. I mean, this this uh, particular show was recorded in 2001, I believe, or 2002, somewhere around there. I mean, now, fast forward, we're in 2021, and we still have judges that make calls that people get upset about. So you never want to leave the fight in the judges' scorecards, just like in any sport. You know, in the NFL, we have judges that make calls that people get upset about. In basketball, in any any real major sport, you're gonna have referees, and you know that you're you're gonna disagree with. That's just kind of how it goes. The loss is devastating for Team Liddell, for Chuck himself, and especially for Josh, Bobby's best friend on the team. So you know, Josh was Josh Koscheck was Bobby Southworth's best friend on the team. Uh, they had a really close relationship, so of course this is going to be hard for Josh to swallow. And Bobby was kind of like the leader of Team Liddell in a lot of ways. He was kind of like the alpha, like I said on the last episode, Bobby Southworth was kind of like the alpha male, the bully. And, uh, you know, he just kind of had that tough guy personality, and he kind of, you know, bullied the other people on the team like Sam, and he picked a fight with Chris Lieben. So he's always been this big, tough alpha male. I mean, he even mouthed off to Dana White. Dana White is the guy who's going to give him a six-figure contract if he wins the fight, so... You know, Bobby Southworth has definitely has a little bit of an attitude problem. He even got, you know, mouthy with Chuck Liddell a few times. So, you know, Bobby Southworth is just kind of a mouthy, big, tough guy. You know what I mean? But I, I do respect him. You know, he made weight for that fight, his first fight against Loden Sincade. Uh, he had to cut 25 pounds. He complained the whole time. But you know what? He made the weight. You know what I mean? It's not easy to cut 25 pounds in a couple of days like that. So I really salute him for that. Excuse me for a second. I'm just getting a, a sip of water. I promise you, as soon as I finish this water bottle, we are going to go full speed on this podcast. All right, and I'm done with my water. You will hear no more excuses for the rest of this podcast. Let's jump right into it. As the show progresses, fighters being uh, eliminated on the show means more and more each time because they're spending precious time with each other every day, 24-7, in training and living in the same house with each other away from their families. So, I mean, these guys are training together eight hours a day on the show. You know, they're constantly training together. Uh, They're building a camaraderie. They're building a, a, a team relationship. You know, some of them are building, you know, close friendships. They're living in the same house. They're away from their families. They're not allowed to contact their families, supposedly. So these guys are looking at each other like a big family. So when they get kicked off the show... It means a lot more now than the first couple weeks when they were first on the show. That's why I was laughing at Bonner for crying when Loden was eliminated because they were only living in the same house together for two weeks when Loden was kicked off. So that's why I was really laughing at um, Stefan Bonner because when Loden Sinkade was kicked off of the show, he was literally on the show for two weeks. So how can you sit there and burst out in tears and cry about your teammate being eliminated? When you've only known this guy for two weeks, I mean, that was just really hilarious to me. That's still something that's going to really stick out to me on the show. I mean, I could understand maybe like a month into the show, especially now the competition is getting more competitive. But, I mean, good Lord, to, to cry over a guy that you've only known for two weeks, I mean, that's just really funny to me. I'm always going to laugh at Stefan Bonner for that. You know, Bobby being eliminated is more emotional because he's been with his team on the show for a month and a half. 
Josh is visibly upset, and it's even worse because it was a controversial decision victory, and he felt like Bobby won. So it's, it's going to leave a foul taste in the mouth of Team Liddell because it wasn't like he even just like lost the fight fair and square. It's, it's going to leave a, more of a bitter rivalry now because a lot of people are going to feel like Bobby Southworth won the fight. So it's, it's going to cause a little bit of a bitter rivalry here. Josh also says Bobby was a great leader on the team. He definitely had the alpha male personality, and I definitely see that. Uh, Forrest Griffin sarcastically jokes that this gives him hope he can lose a fight. I don't really understand what that means. The moral of the story is that you need to win the fight in a finishing manner. This has been a big problem in MMA even today, about 20 years later after the first Ultimate Fighter series. A lot of the judges do not have experience with MMA, excuse me, with MMA. But I believe the problem will be fixed soon. The beautiful thing is that the crowd, everybody on TV, the coaches, um, etc. Everybody can truly see who won. So that's, that's the other thing that's really beautiful about MMA. There's only two guys in the ring. Um, you can't make excuses for anything because it's just you out there. That's one of the things I do really appreciate about being a part of a singular sport. Like when I wrestled in middle school and I wrestled for a little bit in high school, you can't really make excuses. It's just you on the mat. It's just you and your opponent. At the end of the day, you're going to have to shake hands and you're going to have to accept that the other guy, you know, beat you fair and square. I mean, we do see situations where guys will not accept a loss but it just makes you look like a sore loser. And yes, there are mistakes that happen. Yes, you know, a guy may you know, make a mistake. He might lower his hands too soon. He might throw the wrong combination, but at the end of the day, you still lost. You still have to take responsibility for making mistakes in the ring. And it's, it's just a sport that really makes you humble. I mean, there's nobody in the sport that really walks out undefeated. It's just unheard of. And if people do walk out of the sport undefeated, uh, they usually don't you know, reach the highest pinnacle of the sport. You know what I mean? Even somebody like Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor has lost his fights before, and he still has that superstar status. That's what's really amazing about the sport, too. It's like, these are real superheroes, in a sense. Like, you know, you watch a superhero movie or an action movie, and, you know, the guy never loses. He wins every single fight, and it's just not realistic. In this sport, we have actual superstars, and they lose fights. They get knocked out cold sometimes, and people still have a tremendous amount of respect for them. And sometimes people even respect them more. Like, I, I gained more respect for Conor McGregor when he lost. You know what I mean? And um, that's what I really love about this sport. It's just a really humbling sport. And, you know, you get to really see even the highest level um, athletes, you know, lose in competition. You know, real MMA fights are three rounds anyways, not two. So this really wasn't fair. I mean, that's the other thing, too. This fight was only two rounds. You know, real MMA fights go for three rounds. So I, I really felt that it should have went for a third round. That was really unfair to, to really both of the competitors, really. You know, Forrest sarcastically jokes that all he has to do is win a fight. All he has to do to win a fight is keep coming forward, which is why the judges gave it to Bonner. And, yeah, <laughs> that's how I felt, too, in a lot of ways. I mean, Stefan Bonner literally just walked forward the entire time. And it, it def I can see why the judges would think he won because he put the pressure on him. But, you know, realistically, Bobby Southworth landed some really powerful punches. And he reversed a couple takedowns. And it wasn't like he lost his fight, you know, clear as day or anything like that. It's hard to explain, but it's very cringy to watch a Bonner fight. He comes forward very aggressively and misses so many punches. It is hard for me to believe he's a Golden Glove boxing champion. Dana uh, goes in to talk to Bobby, and they have a heated discussion. They have been arguing aggressively. Bobby tells Dana he doesn't need a pep talk. It's not Dana's fault that Bobby lost. It is the judge's fault, but Bobby is just upset, and rightfully so. This is a bad part by Bobby mouthing off to all of his coaches and Dana because, as Dana explains, he is the boss. This is a bad move for Bobby. Although they are in one of the most aggressive combat sports there are, you still must remain respectful at times and be professional. It is a job and Dana is the boss. Ultimately, Bobby does apologize and emotions are probably just running high for Bobby at this very moment. 
Dana tells him he had a great fight and tells him it should have went to a third round. He tells Bobby to stop acting like the world is out to get him. You know, Bobby is mouthy and disrespectful at times, and I like how Dana handled this situation. So, I mean, that's that's another, another thing that's really beautiful about the sport is that, you know, you have to learn to accept losses. And not only do you have to learn to accept losses, you have to, you know, accept the fact that the cards aren't always going to go your way. You have to accept the fact that things there's certain things in this world that you can't change. And a, a lot of these guys on the show, they, they lack a lot of maturity in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? This is a grown man in his 30s, and he's screaming and cursing. And, you know, I mean, rightfully so. He put a lot of energy into the sport. I mean, he sacrificed a lot to be on the show. So he's rightfully, he has the right to be angry right now. But at the same time, you know, you're, you're talking with a guy who's part of a multi-million dollar company, a guy who gave you an opportunity to be on the show. And, you know, and at the same time, if you have a good relationship with Dana White, who knows? He might give you a second shot or something. So he's definitely making the wrong move right here. But also, too, I mean, maybe Dana should have gave him a few minutes to get himself together. But, you know, you don't always have a few minutes to get yourself together. Sometimes you have to put on your game face and you have to be professional and respectful. He probably should have gave him a few minutes uh, before he talked to him, but who cares? You know, Bobby needs to be respectful and disciplined. Bobby feels he didn't leave it in the hands of the judges, like Dana said. Bobby says he lost 40 pounds being on the show and said he hasn't fought in a year. Bobby is very talented, but he is 34 years old. So that, that's my only criticism of Bobby, and I think that's probably why I've never really seen his career really advance. I mean, he came into the show at 34 years old. Most of the people on the show are in their mid-20s. I mean, most people, they really, you know, advance in their MMA career in their early 30s. Um, you know, not when they're 34 years old. Like, time is already ticking for him. I mean, there's a few fighters that have really, you know, they've they've gone against the grain. They've gone against the the standard, you know, procedure of being a fighter, you know, fighting in your mid-20s and then building your career and then maybe retiring when you turn about 40 or before 40. I mean, Randy Couture is a prime example. I mean, he was like a heavyweight champion when he was like 45 years old in his late 40s and things like that. I think he's one of the oldest MMA champions to this day to hold a belt. I mean, but for the most part, I mean, the human body, especially for men, I mean, once you start, you know, getting past 30, your body starts to decline a little bit. So, um, you know, th th that's one of the things that makes him not a, a, a willing prospect, in my opinion, is that it's just his age is, is too far up there. I mean, he could get an MMA contract. He could probably win some fights, but I don't see him getting the belt or anything like that. Whereas if he was like 25 years old on the show, OK, well, he's got, you know, a lot of time to you know build his career, sharpen his skills. But um, it just seems like this was his last shot at a dream. And I respect him for being on the show. I respect all these guys for, for, for pursuing a dream. I would like to see him get another shot for sure because time is ticking. Uh, Team Liddell is crushed now that Bobby is gone, especially Josh. So now we're seeing the pendulum swing to the other side. I mean, Randy Couture's team, they lost like four fighters in a row. They were losing all their team challenges. Now the, the pendulum is starting to swing the other way. Even though this isn't really a clear cut you know, a clear-cut victory. It's still gonna, it's still gonna destroy the morale of Team Liddell. Um, you know, and, and like I said, the tables always turn in life. So this is a prime example of it right here. The only person on the team who doesn't miss Bobby is Sam, who was bullied by Bobby a lot. One thing I love about the show is how serious Dana is about every decision. Dana calls Chuck and Randy into his office with Nate to discuss the MRI results and the intense dramatic music plays on the show. So that's one thing I do appreciate is, is Dana is very hands-on on the show. Um, he's involved in every situation. I mean, who knows? I don't know if he's doing that on purpose. You know, he's telling the cameras, like, make sure you get this. Or maybe he's doing it for his own well-being to make himself look good on camera. I mean, I, I really don't know what he's thinking. But um, at the same time, he's, he's doing a very good job of making himself look professional on camera. He's always there. He's involved with everything on the show. 
I mean, he was literally training, training these guys and, and, and um, you know, you know, timing them on the on the treadmills with his stopwatch. So he's really involved in a lot of the processes on the show. And he makes himself look very good in front of the cameras. I hope he's like that in real life. Um, you know, I do have a lot of respect for Dana White. He built this company from the ground up. So he makes himself look good on camera. I hope he's a good person in real life, too. But who knows? Dana explains to Nate he has a real bad uh, ligament sprain. Dana also tells him he's a little, he has a, a tiny little bone in his foot that is fractured. He has to have surgery to have the, the bone removed. Dana tells him he will be off the show. Uh, Nathan tears up and hugs his coach, Randy. So this is another devastating loss for Team Couture. So, you know, maybe not. Maybe the tables haven't turned. You know what I mean? This is a devastating loss. But at the same time, he's already been injured for a long time. And they've already known that he might have been eliminated. So who knows? But, you know, this, this show is very dramatic. I've done another podcast on Randy, and this moment is interesting to me because Randy has experienced a lot of disappointments in his career before success. Randy was devastated about not making the Olympics and had many years as a wrestler in high school and in college before he found his success as a wrestler, eventually winning his high school state championship his senior year, and eventually becoming an All-American wrestler in college after losing many matches his first year. Randy can be empathetic in this situation because he knows what disappointment and defeat feels like. One thing I learned from studying Randy Couture is that setbacks set up for a major comeback. So hopefully all of these fighters that get kicked off the show will be set up for a major comeback. I mean, one thing about life, when you take risks and you're, you're willing to put yourself out there, you're willing to put yourself in a situation where you might fail, where you might fall flat on your face. A lot of times, you know, God will, will reward that. You know what I mean? One thing about life, you know, the more risks you take, the more chances you have of succeeding in life. You know, people that just, you know, they, they take the easy route. They don't take big risks. They're, they're never going to really have a real reward in life. So it's, it's important to take risks. And uh, sometimes failure leads to success. Sometimes you have to fail a million times before you succeed at anything in life. So this is an important lesson for people watching. You know, when you lose, you know, don't give up. You know, keep pushing forward. You know, Randy commends Nathan and says he has great character. He helped Chris Lieben out a lot. Um, he helped Chris Lieben a lot, out a lot when he was on the show. He was definitely a great teammate. Uh, both teams have lost important team members this week. Uh, team Couture decides to go for a morning run. I hope they do this on a daily or weekly basis because being stuck in the house for so long will drive them insane. So, like, probably 90% of the show, they're in the house. They don't really show a lot of the training. You know, supposedly they're not allowed to leave the house. They're not allowed to contact their families and things like that. So I'm really hoping that... These guys get to really, you know, go jogging and go places, you know, more than often. I mean, there's a couple segments where they go to the YMCA to train, but I really hope these guys get out of the house because being stuck in the house all day and just going training and coming home, it's just, it's very stressful. So I hope these guys do get to go out, you know, a few times and see some other stuff. On the last episode, they went to work out at the YMCA, which is good. Hopefully there are a few more trips that aren't included on the show. I feel bad for the guys being stuck in the house so much. But anyways, Sam decides to go for a run with Team Couture. So that shows you a lot about Sam. You know, a lot of his teammates don't like him. And he doesn't really like his teammates either. But he's literally going to train with the other team. And this is at the pinnacle of the competition of the sport. This is where people are getting eliminated. You know, in a couple episodes from now, they're going to, you know, advance into the semifinals. You know, the rivalry is very bitter between both teams. You know, Chris Lieben had a lot of feuds with Bobby Southworth. Uh, you know, Chris Lieben had feuds with Josh Koscheck. You know, both of those fighters got eliminated, Bobby Southworth and Chris Lieben. Um, it's, it's a bitter situation. There's a lot of hostile rivalries here. And, you know, you have the fighters. A lot of them are saying, you know, they think their teammate won or this teammate won. And it's just it's a competitive uh, it's a competitive rivalry right now. 
And here you have Sam, you know, training with the opposite team. And that's just like a big no-no. You, you don't do that in the middle of a hostile competition like this. So you can see why his teammates don't like Sam. I don't think Sam gives a shit either. But anyway, Sam decides to go for a run with Team Couture. His own teammates do not like him, so I can't blame him. Ultimately, this is a sport based solely off of your performance. So that's the other aspect of it, too. I mean, this this is an individual sport. I mean, you do need you do need your teammates and you do need to have the loyalty to your coaches to you know get to the next level a lot of times. But at the end of the day, it's an individual sport when you fight in there. So it does attract a lot of people that are kind of self-centered and focused on themselves because it's solely your performance in the ring. So, I mean, this this type of sport is going to attract all types of characters, all types of personalities and things like that. So it's interesting, too. You know, when I wrestled, there were friendships for sure, but many independent, self-centered wrestlers as well. So I, I, I kind of remember this in wrestling. There were a lot of guys that were just kind of really into themselves. I mean, you do have some, you know, some good team players on the, on the wrestling team, and there are some real friendships that develop from wrestling. But you have a lot of self-centered guys too that really only care about themselves and, you know, making sure their bodies look good and things like that. So you get all types of personalities in these sports. Also, many teammates are being uh, traded to different teams, so many of these teammates will have to fight each other anyway. So, like I said, you know, these guys are all going to end up fighting each other anyway. So, you know, the, the team sportsmanship and things like that, the team camaraderie. That's a big part of this the show, but at the end of the day, it's just you in that cage, so it goes both ways. Ultimately, your teammates uh, can't see you. Excuse me, your, your teammates can't save you. You have to save yourself when you perform in the cage. If Sam feel, feels he fit in better with uh, Couture's team, I don't hold this against him. So maybe you know, maybe he felt like you know, you know, Couture's team was better. I mean, t- you know, Randy Couture he kind of sets the tone for that team too. Randy Couture is a very nice guy. He's a very you know gentle, humble kind human being he's not like that hard-ass tough coach you know you can see he's a very understanding guy you can see he's really really a great human being and um you know so you know you know different different team you know different uh different leaders have different personalities on this sport so you never know what to expect i understand why his teammates don't feel the same and i understand why that makes him look weak for sure Sam misses his workout, and this is a problem for Chuck because Couture's team <laughs> got lost on the trail, and Sam is not back in time to make his own team's practice. So poor Sam, you know, he just wanted to go for a morning run with Team Couture. You know, he didn't think anything about it. And then, of course, their team gets lost on the trail, so they, they come back late, so he can't make his practice with his own team. His teammates already hate him, and now they're going to hate him even more for missing practice because you got to remember, they have to train with each other. You know, that's the other thing. It's a singular sport, but you also need your teammates as, as well. Like, you can't train by yourself. You have to train with somebody the same size as you, you know, and things like that. You can't just, you know, punch air all day and, and wrestle the air. You have to wrestle other opponents. You have to grapple with other opponents and things like that. So poor Sam, he's just in a bad situation right now. Now, he was supposed to train with Forrest, and Forrest looks down on this, of course. The other teammates, including myself, crack up and think this is hilarious when they find out. So they're, they're at the point where they're just laughing, like, like, good God, like, what's next with this guy? You know what I mean? And, um, you know, but at the same time, this is, this is another way to look at the situation, too. Sam is just a logical thinker. Like, he realized, okay, well, you know, this, this is a sport where we're, we're all going to end up fighting each other. Who cares about these little team, you know, team, you know, camaraderies and things like that? We're all going to end up fighting each other. Oh, I get to get an extra workout in with the other team. And then I get to come back and train with my own team. Okay, cool. Like, he, he's just, I think he's a logical thinker. And, um, you know, these other guys are just more, they kind of have that sport mentality, you know, that team sport mentality. So I kind of see how Sam thinks too, you know what I mean? But I, I completely understand why his teammates are pissed right now. You know, Josh is pissed. Uh, Sam is a very mellow guy and goes with the flow. 
it'll be interesting to see how he fights, if he can actually fight. You know, according to the other teammates, he is the weakest link, not only as a teammate, but his fighting ability as well. So the reason why I, I kind of tend to think he's probably not a good fighter is because if he was really a great fighter, if he was just kicking everybody's ass on the team, you know, they wouldn't be treating him like that. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to sit there and make fun of a guy who just, you know, head kicks you in practice and, and just slammed you on the mat. You know, you're going to have a little bit more respect for that guy. So I tend to think he's probably not a great fighter either. But who knows? You know, Dana calls all the fighters back to the gym to announce that Nathan has been sent home because of his injury. Watching Dana talk to the teammates is funny to me sometimes because he's like a school principal talking to kids sometimes. So th this show is really funny to me. It's it's really like a like a I don't know like an elementary school rerun or something like or like a high school football team rerun. Like the way they talk to these guys, it's, it's very funny to me. These are grown men, but they talk to them like they're little kids, and it's it's very funny. Dana likes Nathan's attitude and decides to let him stay on the show as an assistant coach. This is wonderful, and I see what Dana was saying about having a good attitude because he is the boss. This could have been Bobby if he had a good attitude. This is great for Bobby. Uh, you know, this is great for Bobby. Watching the show, why did I say this is great for Bobby? This is great for Nathan. See, I think I made a mistake there. Watching this show makes me, uh, you know, reminisce all the sports I played, football, karate, wrestling, baseball, etc. Having coaches like Randy and Liddell is really important for the growth of young men and children to excel in life. It brings back a good feeling. It is a feeling of acceptance that is hard to describe. It's a feeling I have longed for a long time, you know. So just, just watching this, it reminds me of my childhood, playing all these sports. It's really good to have mentorship in your life. Even when you're a grown man, it's good to have some type of a figure, like a leader figure. And it's just kind of how we are as humans. We're social creatures. You know, we're pack creatures, just like dogs. Uh, you know, we have a social status in a group. And it's really important to be a part of a group a lot of times, you know, unless you're like a real loner and you like being by yourself. It's good to be a part of a group sometimes. And it's good to have some type of structure. I really crave the structure in my life. You know, I went down a hard road in my life when I had surgery in my shoulder in uh, 2016. And here I am in 2021. And I'm telling my audience that I might, you know, cringe when I turn the pages or when I move my arm. Because, you know, I'm, I'm meeting with a physical therapist now to get help on my shoulder. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, in life, you go down different roads. You know, I, I was really isolated when I had surgery on my shoulder. I was away from work. I was away from my friends. And I, I just kind of got out of that group setting. And it, it's really hard sometimes because I'm a social person. I like being around people. As you can tell from this podcast, I like to talk. I can talk for hours. So it, it's really hard for me to just, you know, be in this isolated setting right now in my life. You know, it brings back a good feeling. It's a feeling of acceptance that is hard to describe. It's a feeling I've longed for for a long time. Uh, after having surgery on my shoulder in 2016, my life began to fall apart. Uh, surgery did not go well, and I stopped talking to, uh, I stopped taking my Crohn's disease medications, which made me even more sick. So this is just a little recap of my life. You know, one thing about my podcast, I'm, I'm going to relate to my viewers. I'm going to give you, you know, personal situations about my life too, and I'm going to try to help people out there. And you're going to see all aspects. I'm not just going to read off this paper and, uh, you know, like a robot. I'm going to tell you how this show relates to my life and how I can try to better my audience and give them motivation for their life. Um, you know, I, I miss structure. I worked a job in a restaurant prior to my surgery. And I miss the family atmosphere and even having managers that cared about my performance and well-being. It was a great feeling. So, yeah, in life, we need mentors. We need coaches. We need people that are going to push us to our next level. You know, when you have friendships in your life, make sure you have people around you that push you to the next level. Make sure you surround yourself with people that want to win, the people that want to be successful, not people that, that are going to drag you down and, you know, give you, a, you know, a half-assed performance in your life and, and not care about, you know, you reaching your goals. Make sure you set yourself up to be around winners and people who really try to achieve their goals in life. This is a great feeling to have in football as well in high school, having coaches and teammates that care about you. 
Also having wrestling coaches that care about you is important too. That feeling comes back when I watch the show and watch Dana, Randy and Chuck mentor these guys. At this period in my life, I have had a lot, excuse me, I've had to learn to be strong, independent and persevere by myself and work a job independently working on my podcast by myself. So I had a lot of other injuries too. So I've been kind of out of work for a while. So these podcasts kind of help me stay focused, help me make a little bit more income and help me, you know, keep myself mentally sharp. Um, you know, once I heal my shoulder, I'll probably get a part-time job or maybe even a full-time job. I'm going to see what's available because I really need to get out there. You know, I, I don't recommend that people just sit around in a dark house and, you know, write podcasts and just, you know, live like a recluse. You got to get out there. You got to socialize with people. You know, you, you got to be a part of society a little bit. You know what I mean? You don't have to be, you know, following every trend in society. You don't have to believe everything these celebrities and athletes say. You don't have to believe everything you see on TV. But um, at the same time, you don't want to just be a recluse because it's, it's, it's very hard to live like that. You know, we are social creatures. You need to have some type of friendship, some type of team setting, some type of, you know, work environment. It's important to get out there and socialize with people, too, or else you're going to be kind of weird. It is a blessing in itself, but a team setting is important. You know, Nathan is grateful to be a coach to Randy. Dana puts an even bigger twist on the situation and says he will have the opportunity to bring a former teammate back on the show. So now... Nathan gets to pick a, a former teammate to come back on the show because he's injured. So, I mean, you can already tell he's going to bring back a good fighter. My guess is he's probably going to bring back Chris Levin because, I mean, all the other fighters didn't have the same ability as Chris Levin. And everybody loved Chris Levin. You know, he was like the center of attention on the show. Hopefully it is not Chris Levin. You know, I, when I was writing this podcast, I was hoping it wasn't Chris Levin because Chris Levin caused all this drama on the show. He was a drunk mess. He was, you know, beating up. You know, he's fighting everybody, talking a bunch of trash. He was a terrible team team player. But, you know, we'll see. Although Chris Lieben was entertaining, he was toxic to the house and created a lot of problems. Plus, Josh, his rival and someone he previously had problems with, is still on the show. And this will create problems. So when I was watching the show, I thought, okay, well, if they bring back Lieben, he's going to cause more problems with Josh Koscheck. I mean, because a lot of times in life, people don't change their behavior. You know what I mean? People kind of show their true colors, especially when you're in a house like that. Uh, people are going to show their true colors. So I, I, I kind of looked at it like if Chris Levin comes back on the show, he's going to be the same old Chris. He's going to cause a lot of problems. Um, it can be from either team. So he can bring back somebody from either team. But, of course, he's going to bring back his own teammates. Like what, what type of a trader would bring back somebody from Team Liddell in the middle of this competition like that? But that's a Sam move right there. Sam would bring somebody back from Team Couture. You know what I mean? It can be from either team, but because of Nate's loyalty to his team, I can bet you $1,000 it will not be somebody from Liddell's team. Nathan said he wants somebody from his team, which is obvious, and he really wants somebody who, th who thinks rationally, which m makes me think he will not bring back Chris Levin because, you know, Chris Levin was not a rational thinker at all. Uh, I don't know if it, excuse me, I don't know if they will even let him come back anyways. He caused so many problems. And then this is where I was just really shocked. No way. They brought back Lieben, which is which is ridiculous. You know, so many thoughts are running through my head. Um, so many thoughts are running through my head. You know, are they, you know, showing favoritism to Lieben because he's a good fighter? Are they trying to even the teams out, giving Kotor a, a boost? Um, you know, I don't see how Lieben and Koscheck will keep the peace. Uh, he loses a fight, causes damage to the house, and is coming back on the show uh, while Bobby loses a controversial split decision victory and is kicked off the show. Uh, this has to piss off Koscheck. His teammates are ecstatic to see Lieben back, of course. Sam is ecstatic to see Lieben, which is also hilarious. Um, you know, Sam should not be excited to see his teammates' arch nemesis rival. So that's really funny. Sam is just a funny character. He doesn't care about this this team camaraderie bullshit at all. He comes right in there and he's like, oh, hey, what's up, Chris? Like, you know what I mean? And that's, his, that's like their team's arch nemesis. 
You know, he's hugging him hard, smiling and laughing in joy to see Lieben. This is hilarious and ridiculous at the same time. There seems to be a shift in the atmosphere, and the UFC, uh, excuse me, and the UFC directors of the show may have planned this shift on purpose to even out the teams. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist here. You know, a lot of the show is pre-planned, in my opinion. Um, you know, I think the cameras, they emphasize on certain things. I, I feel like maybe they kind of like, you know, tried to even out the teams a little bit better. They realized that Couture's team was getting smashed and they wanted to make the show more exciting. So, you know, just a lot of thoughts go through my head. I question everything in life and you should too, really. There seems to be a shift in the atmosphere and the UFC directors of the show may have planned this shift on purpose to even out the teams. Lieben was happy that Stefan beat Bobby. Uh, I almost wonder if the judges were paid out to give Team Couture the upper hand. You know, just a lot of thoughts go through my head, you know what I mean? This is this is a reality TV show. It's not all going to be 100% factual and real. And, you know, there's certain things they cut out from the cameras, too. Uh, you never know. Uh, Lieben thinks without Bobby, Josh will be a lot less of a force in the house. So, yeah, you know, Josh is kind of like a sidekick. So I can understand why people wouldn't like Josh Koscheck. He's definitely not like the alpha male leader at all. Um, he's not like a super outspoken guy. He's kind of like, you know, Bobby Southworth's sidekick. He kind of did whatever Bobby Southworth was doing. It's kind of like his partner in crime. So, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, Lieben, you know, kind of realized that, too. He kind of realized, okay, that's just his little sidekick. You know, now that Bobby Southworth is gone, Josh is going to be quiet in the house. He's not going to be, he's not going to have a partner in crime to, like, you know, pick on people with and things like that. You know, Bobby rubbed Dana White and the coaches wrong the first week he came on the show. Uh, you know, by complaining when he made weight. The blue team having Josh and Bobby definitely made the blue team have a bully mentality. One thing I failed to realize is that Chris Lieben's team really loves him. You know, th that's one of the things I didn't really realize on the show because he caused so many problems. Uh, you know, Mike Swick got pissed off at him. Mike Swick was, you know, you know, practically ready to fight him outside. Um, you know, so I, I definitely overlooked that. I didn't realize his team loved him so much. You know what I mean? I guess he was very loyal to his team. And I didn't really get to see that aspect on the show. I just kind of looked at him as a wild card character. I mean, he really did throw his teammates under the bus a lot of times, too. You know, they lost the competitions. He blamed his teammates. And, you know, he just really had a heartless, cutthroat, you know, mentality. You know what I mean? So I, I didn't really see him as, like, this super loyal teammate. But I, I know that Nathan really liked him. I know that for a fact. But I didn't realize his other teammates, you know, really liked him as well. You know, I thought he was a problem from everybody. Uh, but now I see his uh, team really likes him, or at least a few of them do. Uh, just a quick reality check. It would be so beneficial for both teams to just trade uh, Sam to Team Couture. Yeah, like, that would really help both teams out a lot because, you know, Liddell, you know Sam is really bringing down the morality of Team Liddell. Um, you know, and Couture's team, they suck anyways, so they could use anybody they can get. If they really wanted to boost the team, they could just get Sam to Team Couture. But, um, you know, like I said, I don't think Sam is a great fighter, so I don't even know if that would benefit Team Couture at all. You know, Sam not really uh, clicking with Team Liddell is just bringing them down. It would be better for both teams looking at the situation, uh, you know, one more time. Either Sam is just a free spirit and has uh, no loyalty or Josh and Bobby are assholes and are, you know, are pushing Sam away. So it's hard to say because, you know, maybe Sam is just a, a good guy and, you know, Josh and, and uh, Bobby South were, were just like bullies. So it's, it's hard to tell. You know, you have to look at the situation from both sides. You don't want to be like too biased, you know, watching these TV shows. Sam also tells Lieben Josh was upset that he's coming back on the show. Um, you know, having Sam on Team Liddell is, is bringing down the value of the team. He's killing. He's also telling personal information information about his teammates to, to Lieben. So yeah, he's telling he's telling Lieben everything about his team. So Sam really doesn't give a shit. Now I can see why his team doesn't like him. You know, I think it's one of those situations where Sam realized, okay, well these guys don't like me. We'll screw them anyways. I'm probably gonna end up fighting them anyways. You know, Lieben says. 
Uh, he will not engage in arguments with Josh. I'm sure Dana had a strict talk with him and told him not to engage with Josh and, and keep the peace in the house. Um, you know, Levin explains he promised to Randy and Nate he will be good. It will also help leaving the alcohol is removed from the house. So, yeah, all, all of these problems, like I said a million times, all of these problems could have been prevented on the show by removing alcohol. So now alcohol is gone. I think Levin may be a lot better. You know what I mean? We're going to see a sober version of Chris Levin, hopefully. And, um, you know, we'll see how he acts on the show. You know, Levin walks up to Josh and shakes his hand. They both have smirks on their faces. And this is the most ingenuous thing I've seen in my life. I don't think the rivalry will ever die deep down between them. But because of the circumstances, uh, the promise he made with his coaches, the removal of alcohol from the house, uh, they will stay on the show. And the opportunity to even come back and train with the team after a loss and almost getting kicked off the show and Bobby being off the show, I think Levin will keep the peace. So because of all these circumstances, you know, the alcohol being removed, um, you know, already getting kicked off the show one time, you know, getting an opportunity to come back, you know, being sober, uh, they're going to keep the peace. They're going to be, you know, mature. They're going to be respectful about it. And especially because Bobby's gone too. But the, the main thing is the removal of alcohol in the show. You know, they're going to be able to tolerate each other. They're, they're only going to be on the show for a couple more weeks. So they're going to be mature about this. And I, I don't think they're going to fight. Now I actually genuinely believe there's not going to be any more problems. No. You know, Levin coming back on the show definitely caught Josh by surprise. Josh says Levin is like a cat. That has nine lives. Yeah, because, I mean, could you imagine that? They have this intense rivalry. You know, Josh beats him. And, uh, you know, Josh is like, I never have to see this guy again. He was an intense competitor. He beats him fair and square in the fight. They have this intense rivalry. They're talking trash to each other after the fight. And then, you know, you know, Josh is able to relax a little bit. Okay, thank God I got rid of that guy. And then, boom, this guy pops right back up. And then not only that, but he doesn't have his homie, you know, Bobby Southworth to have his back. So, you know, Josh is probably like, damn. And who knows, maybe he's going to face Chris Levin again. You never know. So, you know, it's, it's probably like a bad situation for Josh Koscheck here. You know, Josh says Levin is like a cat that has nine lives. Levin said Josh was upset that he came back. And that just confirms what I said. The whole handshaking was super in disingenuous. So, you know, they shook hands. They looked at each other in their face. I mean, you can tell they don't like each other. And, um, you know, now that the cameras are away from each other, they're telling their true story. They're, ex they're explaining their true feelings about each other. The next team challenge, both teams will drag a 200-pound heavy bag through the mud to the finish line. For the first team challenge, Josh and Kenny will compete for Team Liddell, and Josh and Levin will compete for the Team Couture. Uh, team Couture wins. So, like I said, the momentum is shifting in the sport. Now I'm, I'm being this super conspiracy theorist. Now, all of a sudden, you know, Team Couture is winning fights. You know what I mean? Now, all of a sudden, they're winning team challenges. It just seems like it's it's a little bit played out here. You know what I mean? Um, at this point, the show seems staged because they have done a lot of, you know, lots to shift the momentum to help Team Couture. They let them bring back a fighter who got eliminated. There was a win by a controversial split decision. And they won their last team challenge, which is also suspicious that Sam helped uh, Team Couture win the challenge. There's a lot of suspicions. People felt that... You know, Sam helped Team uh, Team Couture win the challenge. So it, it seems a little bit suspicious right now. I feel like they may have done some things to try to even out the odds for Team Couture. Because, you know, it would be really boring if they just got completely destroyed on the show. Uh, it seems staged. However, each team challenge is different. And this is this is only required. And this, this team challenge only requires two fighters for each team. So it is a possibility that they won fair and square. But who knows? So in a lot of these team challenges, it's, it's the entire team versus the other entire team. But, you know, some of these team challenges like this one, this was, you know, two fighters from one team versus two fighters from another team. So there is very much so a possibility that, 
you know, Team Couture was just better than Team Liddell in this specific challenge, especially because it's, you know, only two fighters from each team that are fighting. Uh, Josh Koscheck is upset that he lost, and he throws his uh, mud-soaked boots. Uh, it just seems so staged that, um, you know, Josh defeats his nightmare, and he comes back and beats him in a team challenge. So it, it seems a little bit staged, especially because Chris Lieben was so favored on the show. And there, there's a lot of things that are going through my head. I'm thinking maybe because he helped the ratings of the show, because, you know, he smashed down a door, he punched the glass out of a window, he was saying all types of psychotic things to the camera. Um, you know, he's just he's just a, a very interesting character. He dyes his hair red to match the color of the blood when he fights his opponents. He does a lot of crazy things that are attractive to the camera. You know, they're looking for the entertainment aspect here. They're trying to get their ratings up. The whole purpose of the show was to keep the UFC alive and help the UFC grow to the next level to get people interested in mixed martial arts. So a lot of things they do on the show, I feel like they did it to, you know you know, keep the show going and, and keep people interested in MMA. But like I said, I have no clue. This is just my little conspiracy theory, but that's just how I look at it from the outside in. Chris says beating Josh in a team challenge is not the same as a fight. Team Couture will now decide who will compete at middleweight. Uh, team Couture discusses who will fight next. Uh, Lieben feels he can knock Kenny Florian out if he fights him. He thinks Kenny doesn't look that strong, and he doesn't think he can overpower him like Josh did. Lieben, of course, says he would like to fight. Josh, again, you know, he'd like to fight Josh again in a rematch. Lieben also suggests Josh Rafferty fight his friend and former teammate Kenny. Kenny is still very loyal to his old team, you know, because Kenny got traded to Team Couture now, you know, but he's still very loyal to his old team because he trained with them most of the show. Uh, you know, Josh Rafferty says he believes Kenny is a bad matchup for him. It's hard to tell if Josh is telling the truth because he has trained with Team Liddell so many times. So maybe there is something to this, but who knows? You know, maybe he knows something that his teammates don't know. Uh, you know, Josh says that, uh, they're good on the ground, and that's his weakness. So basically what's going on right here is, you know, Josh is deciding who he wants to fight next, and his teammates are telling him, you know, you should fight Kenny Florian. That'll be a good matchup for you. And he's saying, oh, no, I don't want to fight Kenny. You know, he's good on the ground. But, you know, a lot of people are looking at that, you know, and they're speculating and saying, well, I think he just doesn't want to fight Kenny because Kenny's his best friend. You know, Kenny was like his closest friend on the show. So a lot of people think he doesn't want to fight Kenny Florian because, you know, that was his best friend on the show. Um, he has a couple other options of people he can choose to fight. So it's hard to tell what's going on here. You know, Josh will hold him down on the ground and Kenny is good at submissions as well. So Josh is already making himself seem like a terrible fighter. If you're scared to fight a guy because they're better at submissions or wrestling, you're, you're basically showing right now that you don't belong there. You know what I mean? If, if you're scared to fight a guy because he's better at wrestling or submissions, you don't really belong here. That's the whole point of the sport. It's mixed martial arts. It's not just a striking match. It's not just a wrestling match. It's not just a jiu-jitsu match. You have to be skilled in all aspects of the sport. And he's, he's really showing that he's a weak fighter right now by just saying these things. You know, Stefan begins to call Josh out on his bullshit. He says uh, he, says he sounds like you don't want to fight any of them. Yeah, because he's basically saying, oh, I don't want to fight anybody. They all have, you know, advantages over me. So it's like, why are you even on the show? If you're scared to fight three of the fighters on the show in your weight class, then you probably shouldn't be there. Stefan has the right to call him out on this because Stefan fiercely called out Bobby Southworth, uh, Team Liddell's best light heavyweight. So, yeah, you know, you know, Stefan Bonner's really proved himself on the show. He's allowed to say whatever he wants. He called out, you know, Team Liddell's, you know, top fighter, and he won the fight, even though it was a controversial decision. He showed that he's not scared to fight anybody from that team. So, um, you know, he has the right to, you know, call out his opponent for being on some, you know, BS right now. You know, Couture now questions Josh, asking him if he doesn't want to fight Kenny because he's his friend. You know, so a lot of people are looking at Josh like, what's going on here, man? Why, why aren't you picking somebody to fight? Josh also says it's a bad matchup because he's a southpaw. 
Stefan encourages him to fight because all he has to do is avoid the takedown and he can stand with him. You know, Josh says he wishes he wasn't so beat up right now. So he just seems like he's making a bunch of excuses. Couture says we're all beat up. You know, everybody on the show is banged up. You know, they train eight hours a day. Of course, somebody's going to get injured here. So he sounds like he's just making a bunch of excuses. Uh, Nathan then calls him out saying he doesn't think uh, he doesn't think he's viewing things from a logical standpoint. Uh, you know, Josh is making himself look weak. He looks like he is backpedaling and making excuses being on a on a team, uh, being on a new team as well, like a fish out of water. Uh, Josh now tries to get Levin to fight, who just fought less than a week ago, with his, which isn't really fair to Levin because, you know, Levin, good God, he just came back on the show. He shouldn't be fighting. Um, you know, give him a little bit more time. So, you know, Josh is really just ducking the fight right now. You know, Levin steps up and says he will fight anybody. They tell him to fight being the warrior that he is. So that's why I love Levin. He says, well, screw it. If he doesn't want to fight, I'll fight. You know what I mean? So, you know, Josh is the one being kind of a coward right now. Sam explains Team Liddell is confident Levin will fight Koscheck again because they have uh, fought before. So, yeah, I, I kind of thought that, too. I think that would be kind of great, too, to see the rematch. Although I think Josh would just win again, but it would be kind of good for the cameras because, you know, they had such an intense rivalry. But I really think Josh would just win again. You know, tomorrow at 2 o'clock, we will begin the weigh-ins, and Tuesday at 2 will be the fight. Randy will announce who is fighting. You know, Josh Rafferty decides he will fight Diego. Dana disagrees with this call and thinks he should not. He should have fought Kenny because, you know, Diego is so much physically bigger. You know, I mean, jo you know, Kenny Florian is the smallest middleweight on the show. Like, I think he said he fought at 170. He's like a true 145-pound fighter. He's like the, literally the smallest middleweight on the show. It's amazing he even made it on the show to begin with. I mean, and, you know, Diego Sanchez is, is, is significantly bigger than, you know, uh, Chris Lieben. So it's just it's, it's ridiculous that he's he's doing this. You know, Dana says he made this decision because Josh is good friends with Kenny Florian. Yeah, so a lot of people are seeing through Josh right now. Josh is not making himself look good. He definitely should have fought Kenny Florian. But instead, he's fighting Diego Sanchez, who's significantly bigger than him, and is probably going to kick his ass. It's hard when you spend this much time together and develop a close friendship to call out Kenny would make him feel like a traitor, although they may end up fighting anyway. So there's a lot of, you know, team camaraderie going on here. There's a lot of friendships that are, you know, being developed, so... There's a lot of emotions in these fights. Lieben says he has more respect uh, for him for calling out Diego. Josh Koscik asks Rafferty why he called out Diego, and he explains that Kenny is good at jiu-jitsu, but Kenny is a better striker than himself, and explains he feels he's stronger than Diego and better than him, which, you know, it doesn't really sound like he's telling the truth, but we've never seen these guys really train, so we don't really know. You know, they do a good job of not showing the training on the show, so he keeps the, you know, keeps the fans guessing what's going on here. Josh has no problem explaining to his teammates that he thinks they're better than him, which is awkward as a fighter. His teammates are confused and think that he didn't choose Kenny because he's a friend with he's a friend, which is what uh, Team Couture thought as well. So he's making himself look really weak here. You know, if you really had that cutthroat mentality, if you really want to prove that you're a UFC fighter, um, you shouldn't be making excuses. You should be willing to fight your friend. Like, you know what you came here to do. You came here to prove that you're the best fighter. Forget about the friendships. This is a killer be killed world. But he's making himself look weak. Uh, Josh talks to Diego and tells him it's an honor to fight him and shows respect to his former teammates. Diego was surprised Josh picked him, just like everybody else did. This is a hard decision for Josh, and he is torn and has to fight his own teammates. So even though he's not fighting Kenny Florian, who was like his best friend, he's still fighting Diego Sanchez, who was like, you know, his best teammate on the show. Like, he's still one of his other teammates on the show for a month and a half. He's still trained with, um, you know, 
uh, Diego Sanchez for a month and a half. So even though that's not his best friend, that's still a good friend of his. That's still a teammate. So it's emotional. I mean, these guys are training to really hurt each other. I mean, they, they hurt each other in practice. They definitely train hard, but, like, the fight is a little bit different. You're wearing four-ounce gloves. You're going to punch your opponent as hard as you can. You're going to really inflict serious damage on your opponent. So it's different. It's It's even different than, like, a high school scrap or something. I mean, you're going to fight for, you know, five or ten minutes, um, you know, and it's going to get really brutal in there. It's, it's definitely different from just like a little scrap in high school that lasts like, you know, a minute or two. Uh, he tells Diego over and over he hopes he's not taking it personally, and Diego tells him he wasn't taking it personally. As they part ways, Diego does this weird gangster pose where he looks over his shoulder and says, uh, I'll see you on Wednesday. So <laughs> Diego Sanchez, he's a gangster, man. He's He's got that, that gangster look. You know, he had that black bandana on the show. I think he said, I don't know if he said he was from the streets or something, but he kind of, he said he grew up in a rough neighborhood or something. So Diego Sanchez really has that gangster swag to him. You know, I don't know if that was intentional or if that's just how I perceived it. You know, it looked like he was looking at him like, okay, you call me out. You better be ready. I'm I'm bringing the heat. That's how I kind of looked at it. Like he looked over his shoulder. He had this, you know, this stare at uh, Josh and he's like, all right, you call me out. You better be ready. That, that's how I interpreted it. Uh, and the fact that he was like, oh, I hope you don't take any personal and da-da-da. I mean, this is kill or be killed, you know what I mean? But I understand where he's coming from because this is his teammate. They all have a tremendous amount of respect for each other. So it's it's a hard situation all around. Uh, Chuck talks to Sam about missing practice and confronts him about what his teammates think about him and how they think he's a traitor <laughs> and through the last team challenge. Uh, Chuck tells him he doesn't believe this and thinks he's a good guy. So, like I said, I really like these coaches. That's another thing I really like about this show. You know, Chuck Liddell has a tremendous amount of character. I, I know I gave a lot of props to Randy Couture on the show. I was talking about how great of a person he is. But Chuck Liddell's a great guy, too. Just Chuck Liddell just has a different personality. He's more quiet. He's a, he's a real, like, no BS guy. He's not going to give, like, a big heartwarming speech or anything like that, like Randy Couture will. He's not a big talker, you know. He just, he's a quiet guy. and he But he's very humble and very respectful, too. You know, they're both great coaches. I don't want to take anything away from Chuck Liddell. Like, he's a pioneer of the sport, and I really have a tremendous amount of respect for Chuck Liddell. He's just a little bit more quiet than Randy. That's all it is. He's more quiet. And he, he's, he just talks in short sentences and things like that, whereas Randy will talk a lot more. You know, you know Chuck tells him he doesn't expect him to miss workouts ever again. Uh, Sam tells him it won't happen again, and they shake hands. Uh, Josh takes his anger out on Sam for missing practice by beating him up in practice. Forrest Griffin joins in on this and spars Sam very hard as well. <laughs> you know, Kenny joins in on this as well. Diego is a little bit torn having to fight his teammate, but says he is uh, not here to make friends. You know, Diego comes to the weigh-in looking like a Mexican gangbanger <laughs> with a black bandana tied around his head. He very well might have been in the gang. He said he grew up in a rough neighborhood with a lot of gangs. So yeah, he really has that, that gangster, you know, swag out there, man. You know, Diego says he wants to make his family proud. And also, too, I, I want to be careful saying that because I don't know anything about Diego. I don't know if he was actually in a gang. I don't know if he was, you know, a great guy that never got into trouble. I don't know anything. So I don't, I don't want to just be sending the wrong message like, oh, this guy's in a gang or something. That, that's just how he looked. You know what I mean? He might be a, a very clean cut guy. He may have never you know, joined a gang or something like that. I don't want to send the wrong message about him. I don't know his background. Uh, Josh is anticipating his takedown and says he will keep his distance to avoid it. Uh, Nathan asks Josh if he knows how to fight a rear naked choke. So that's really bad. If, if your if your teammates are asking you if you if you if you don't know how to fight a rear naked choke, I mean that's that's really bad. I mean you you absolutely know how to you absolutely need to know how to defend a rear naked choke at this level in the sport. If you don't know how to defend a rear naked choke in the sport at this level, I mean God bless you, man. You're gonna get smashed. If you have to ask a fighter if they know how to defend a rear naked choke, you're in for a long night. You know Josh says. 
it will be a hard fight for him to hit Diego. Well, he better suck it up. You know, Josh is very emotional right now. Oh, I don't want to have to punch Diego. I mean, they spar each other every day in practice, but it's not as powerful as actually hitting, you know, your opponent as hard as you went in the ring. But he better suck it up. He's making himself look really weak right now. He's already said that he doesn't think he has good ground skills. He's scared to fight Kenny because that was his best friend. And, um, you know, Diego's like, look, man, I'm not here to make friends. So he's, he's already making himself weak before the fight even starts, which is not good. Diego says he will take the fight to the ground and finish him. Uh, Diego says he's never been in the good. He's never been in this good of shape in his life. Uh, he, he says he's uh, dieted very well, and he's doing yoga every day. Uh, Force puts icy hot on Diego's back because his back is bothering him, and he covers himself in plastic wrap, which is hilarious. So he puts icy icy hot all over his back, and then he wraps him in plastic wrap, which is really funny. Uh, his team. See, that's another thing I really miss about being on the football team and things like that. There's a lot of funny moments in the locker room where you screw around with your teammates and things like that. It's a lot of fun, you know, being on a team sport in a lot of ways. There's a lot of goofy moments like this that are just really funny, and you never forget these moments. Uh, Josh and Forrest laugh at him for doing this, and they think it is hilarious. Alex says he started doing martial arts when he was six years old. He started doing judo. His brother was in the Marines and started getting really, uh, really involved in kickboxing. And every time he, um, every time he would come home, he would show Josh uh, new techniques. At this time, Josh started watching the UFC, and he tried to go out and learn as much as he could. Josh has had about 18 fights total, a lot of amateur fights, and a couple pro fights. So they're asking him if he, if he knows how to defend a rear naked choke, and he's had 18 MMA fights. So something's not adding up here. So he, he should know how to defend a rear naked choke. If you've had 18 MMA fights... In a couple pro fights, you really should know how to defend a rear naked choke by now. So something's not adding up. Maybe he just doesn't have the grappling skills. Maybe he has better striking skills. Like he just said, his brother's in the Marines and he was doing kickboxing. So maybe he's a good striker and he just doesn't have the ground skills. That's maybe my guess. You know, Josh says it is his dream to be in the UFC. He wants to have this contract. Uh, Sam says he's not here to stay on the show as long. He's here to stay on the show as long as possible and fight someone and win $5,000. Uh, he wants to test himself. I think this is partially true, but I also think Josh has a lot of loyalty to his teammates. And did not call out Kenny, who may have been a, never may have been less of a fighter and a better fight for him because Josh is close to Kenny. Um, Diego does a lot of stretching, meditating, and self-care on, on the show, which is excellent. Uh, what you do in your spare time will reflect in your performance in the cage as well. So, like, one of the things I did when I was wrestling in middle school, I was a really serious wrestler in middle school. Uh, one of the things I did do was I would I would take notes, you know, in my spare time. I, I would think about my techniques. Like, I, all of my attention was focused on wrestling, and, and that's how I got, you know, good at wrestling in middle school. You know, I, I focused all my attention on wrestling. You know, even when I was not in practice, I would talk about the moves with my dad, and we would go over, you know, different techniques in the house. And we really put a lot of time into wrestling. Wrestling was a great, great, great sport for us, and uh, it's something I'm really – really grateful for in my life. You know, wrestling Wrestling is a sport that requires tremendous discipline. Uh, you're going to get embarrassed on that mat. I don't care who you are. You're going to lose a, you're going to lose a match in wrestling. You know what I mean? You're, you're absolutely going to lose a match in wrestling. So I really do have a lot of respect for wrestlers. And, um, you know, even though this is, this is MMA, it's still very similar. And, um, you know, you have to, you have to do a lot of things in your spare time outside of just training. You know what I mean? Uh, you have to diet a little bit when you go home. You know, the days where you don't have practice, you might want to go for a run. I mean, especially with cardio, like you'll notice if, if you don't do something for 24 hours or 48 hours or 72 hours with your cardio, your cardio will be worse in like three days. Like cardio is not like weightlifting. You can lose your cardio in two weeks. You know, if you don't run for two weeks and then you, you run with somebody who's been running for two weeks straight, 
you will not be as effective. So you have to focus all your attention on being a champion, even when you're not in the ring, even when you're not training. So everything Diego does in his spare time is, is very good. It shows a lot of self-discipline. I mean, he's he's stretching, he's meditating, he's eating healthy, and that, that's a true mark of a champion right there. This is a, a 24-7 commitment to being a fighter. You know, Diego is very spiritual and says training in a storm has a lot of electricity and energy in the storms and in the clouds. So this guy really goes outside in the rain when it's thundering and tries to get electricity from the clouds and things like that. He's really into that. I don't even know what the word is. He's really into that type of stuff. Diego says he's a, that's, that's what it's called. He's a Zen master. Diego says he's a Zen master. Diego says he's, uh, he is big on body, mind, and spirit, which is excellent for a fight. So a lot of this stuff might look weird to us. But you know what? He got on the show, and he's kicking ass on the show so far, and he looks like a great fighter. We've never seen him fight yet, but he looks like he's a great fighter, and he's into some kind of weird stuff, you know, the Zen stuff. He's going out in the rain when it's thundering and trying to get electricity and, and, and you know, energy from the, the storm, which is really insane if you think about it. But those are these are the type of guys that are fighters. These guys are crazy. These guys are off the wall. So, you know, he, he looks like a true fighter to me. You know, Bonner says that Rafferty is a 10-1 underdog, and he has a puncher's chance if he can get a knockout. And I see this is one of the fights where I don't think any of the teammates are lying about thinking that Diego Sanchez can win. I don't I don't care, you know, what team they are. I mean, Josh is already making himself sound really weak. He's saying, Oh, I don't have ground skills and he doesn't want to fight his best friend on the show. You know, Josh is you know, really making himself look weak here. So, you know, and anybody that gets interviewed about who they think is gonna win, I don't care what team it's on. Um, I believe them because Josh is presenting himself to be really weak here. You know, Dana White says Diego uh, has way too much experience, way too much skill on the ground, and he thinks he's going to destroy Josh Rafferty. So I'm not sure why they even picked Josh Rafferty to be on the show. He doesn't sound like he has the mentality of a champion. It sounds like he has a lot of holes in his game. So he's already selling himself short, and Dana's selling himself short, to be honest, too. So I'm not really even sure why he's on the show. No disrespect to him. You know, I agree. Uh, Diego took him down. He took down his last opponent and submitted him instantly. So, excuse me, Diego did have a fight on the show. I completely forgot about that. He fought Alex. Uh, I can't remember his last name, but he fought Alex, and he submitted him quickly. So Diego's already, you know, proved that he has skills. So I, I don't see how Josh can win this fight. If Josh is not confident in his ground game, then I don't see how the outcome will be any different. Even Lehman tries to be positive and supportive to his teammate, but he says the outcome uh, won't be much different. You know, Diego Sanchez comes in the ring. Super pumped up with a tough game face. You know, Diego comes in at 23 with a perfect 12-0 record. 5'11", 183 pounds, fighting out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, Josh Rafferty comes into the ring at age 23, 11-3 record at 6 foot, yeah, 6 foot, 184 pounds from Cincinnati, Ohio. Josh says for those 10 minutes, they are enemies. Um, I'm going to leave it right there. We're going to start the second part of the podcast where the fight actually happens. All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to pick off where I left off at. Uh, this is episode eight of season one of The Ultimate Fighter. This is Randy Couture versus Team Liddell. And uh, we're going to leave off where I left off at. Um, so basically, Diego Sanchez is going to fight Josh Rafferty. Uh, a lot of people felt that Josh Rafferty should have fought um, Kenny Florian, but that was his former teammate. They were very close, so a lot of people are speculating that he chose to fight Diego Sanchez because he didn't want to fight Kenny Florian because that was his best friend. Although Kenny Florian probably would have been a much better fight for him. Kenny Florian is significantly smaller than Diego Sanchez. Uh, Kenny Florian is the smallest 185-pound fighter on the show. 
So we shall see what happens. Um, so I'm going to go, you know, this is right. I left off on the last episode, right when they were, they were about to fight. So I'm going to give you guys all the stats and we'll get back into this fight. So, um, Diego Sanchez comes into the ring, super pumped up with a tough game face. Diego comes into the ring at 23 years old with a perfect 12 and 0 record. He's five foot 11, 183 pounds fighting out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Josh Rafferty comes in the ring at age 23 with an 11 and three record at six foot, um, 184 pounds from Cincinnati, Ohio. Josh says for those 10 minutes, they're enemies. The fights. Okay. So now the fight starts out. The fight starts out and Josh is very cautious, backing away from Sanchez, you know, striking his arm, you know, sticking his arm out. And uh, Sanchez throws a punch and immediately ties up with Josh and pushes him against the fence. Sanchez takes him down immediately and mounts Josh. Diego begins to rain down bombs. Sanchez is now throwing a flurry of powerful punches, and it looks like it may be over for Josh. You know, Josh turns his back and then turns back over, getting hit with a flurry of punches. The referee needs to really stop the fight at this point. You know, Josh turns his back again, and Diego sinks his hooks in. You know, Diego secures the rear naked choke, and it's over. I'm not sure what Josh was thinking calling out Diego Sanchez. Uh, Dana feels that Diego uh, could have ended the fight earlier, but rained down punches to send a message. You know, if you pick me, you're going to get hurt. You know, I think Diego Sanchez was sending a message because he probably could have submitted him a little bit early, but, I mean, he was just hitting him with some really powerful punches. A lot of people felt like he was trying to send a message like, look, you pick me. I'm going to show you why you should never pick to fight me. But, I mean, who knows, really, because, you know, in the heat of the moment like that, you know, it, maybe he's just throwing extra punches because his adrenaline was, was rushing. And who really knows what he was thinking? So, you know, this is all speculation. Randy says they worked on keeping distance to avoid the takedown, but it didn't work, obviously. Uh, Chuck says Josh is a great dude, but needs to work on takedown defense and grappling, grappling obviously. This is the second fighter Diego has faced that uh, needs serious improvement on the ground. Diego is also extremely skilled on the ground as well. Uh, these guys, at the very least, should be a blue belt level of jiu-jitsu before they come on the show. Uh, this is where the sport was uh, very new, and there wasn't a whole lot of uh, opportunity for MMA yet. But I still feel there are guys on the show who shouldn't be there. You know what I mean? I don't think Josh Rafferty belonged on the show. I think the UFC probably did the best they could, and they still picked a, a bunch of talented guys to be on the show. So, I mean, it's hard to say because this, this is a new part of the sport. But I really think, you know, for people to really be a developed fighter on the show, for somebody to really have the potential to, you know, to succeed at the next level of MMA, they should have picked somebody who, uh, you know, at least has like a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because, I mean, he literally just got, you know, he just literally just got mopped, you know, he, you know, Diego Sanchez mopped the floor with Josh Rafferty here. He, I mean, he ended the fight in under two minutes, I think. You know, it just it's just not really not really a, an interesting fight, and I don't even understand how they would have somebody on the show like that because how is he going to succeed if he even if he got like a lucky punch and he knocked out Diego Sanchez, how is he going to succeed if he makes it as an ultimate fighter if he gets taken down? But you know what I mean. At the same time, Diego Sanchez is a great fighter, and he proved that he's the one that belongs there. And it's the first season of the show, so you know I'm not going to you know bash this UFC too hard for that. There wasn't a lot of opportunity to make a lot of money at this level of MMA. So, you know, now, you know, looking back, you know, 20 years later, the competition is a lot more fierce. So um, I understand why they would do this. All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, today, we're going to start the Ultimate Fighter Season 1, Episode 9, Team Couture versus Team Liddell. 
So just a recap of the last episode, uh, Nathan's MRI results come back in and he has a fractured bone that required surgery. Dana likes uh, Nathan's leadership ability and decides to keep him on the show as an assistant coach for Team Couture. Nathan is allowed to bring one of the fighters back on the team from either team that has been eliminated. Of course, Nathan will choose someone from his own team, and he brings back Chris Lieben. With Bobby being off the team, Chris Lieben uh, should be more peaceful, and also alcohol being off the show as well will make him more peaceful. Uh, Chris immediately shakes Josh's hand, and while they didn't like each other, the handshake is a, like a mutual agreement for them to keep the peace on the show. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris's attitude looks like it's a lot better. Uh, I wonder if it has something to do with counseling or, you know, if the show maybe paid him to get some type of counseling or something like that. Uh, both teams have a team challenge and Team Couture wins. Uh, Josh Rafford's team must pick someone to fight. Um, he chooses to fight Diego Sanchez. Uh, his teammates think this was a poor choice, including Dana White. His teammates wanted him to fight Kenny, who Josh is bigger than. Uh, everybody suspects Josh didn't want to fight uh Kenny Florian because they were good friends on the show. Uh, Josh even has a hard time choosing to fight Diego. So, you know, Josh just seemed like he really didn't belong there. He didn't want to fight anybody. He said that he lacked skills on the ground. So he, he's really showing himself that he's not a great fighter in a lot of ways. He's, he's really re revealed himself. Uh, Josh was very close to Team Liddell and was traded to Team Couture, not by choice. At the end of the day, this is a competitive, a competitive sport, and many people uh, from the same team will end up fighting each other. Uh, Josh Rafferty is destroyed by Diego in a few minutes, if less than that. Diego takes him down and mounts him. Uh, Diego ground and pounds him very viciously, uh, getting Rafferty to turn his back twice. And the second time he turns his back, Diego submits him. Uh, Dana, D uh, excuse me. Dana feels Diego let the fight go a little longer to send a message to all of his competitors. Josh is lacking in wrestling and jiu-jitsu skills and should come back in a few years, in my opinion. So Josh Rafferty, the, the, I mean, the, the silver lining here is Josh Rafferty is still young. He's not in his 30s. He's in his early 20s. Uh, so he still has a little bit of time to get better. You know what I mean? I think he has the willpower to be a fighter, even though he made himself look kind of weak on the show. He just lacks skills. So I, I think he should probably give it another shot in a couple years, you know, get it better at wrestling and jujitsu and give it another shot. There's only nine fighters left on the show. Uh, they started out with 16. Uh, seven of them have been eliminated so far. The good news about Josh is that he wasn't seriously injured and his face wasn't beat up too bad. Uh, he took a serious beating and only had a cut on his face. After the fight, Dana calls out all the fighters in for a meeting at the gym. Because, uh, because Diego won, Team Couture only had one middleweight fighter while Team Liddell has three. Uh, Chuck must give up another fighter. I love how the teams are being switched. This makes the friendships in the house more interesting and gives the teams better competition. So it's it's kind of cool now. It's 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 like uh, I don't know. It's like a game of charades. Not charades. What's the what's the word? Musical chairs. It's like musical chairs. You know, the, the teams are being traded now, and it's just, it's kind of spicing up the competition a little bit. It's it gives it gives the show a little bit of a twist. It's not so predictable now. Now fighters are being traded to other teams. Uh, you know, there's a lot of emotions involved. You know, the fighters have to fight their own teammates, and this is also realistic to being a real fighter because. Being a real fighter, you have to fight your own teammates, you know what I mean? It's not always going to be, you know, just smooth sailing. You're going to fight people you don't like or people you don't know. There's times where it's going to be very personal when you're fighting. This is a fight sport. Um, it's, a, it's a small world. It's a small community of fighters. You're going to have to fight former teammates and things like that. So it's, it's, it's getting a little bit more personal now. Uh, they started out with 16. Uh, seven have been eliminated so far. The good news about Josh is that he wasn't seriously injured and his face wasn't beat up too bad. He took a serious beating and only had a cut on his face. You know, after the fight, Dana calls all the fighters in for a meeting at the gym. 
because Diego won, Team Couture only has one middleweight, uh, while, you know, Team Liddell has three uh, middleweight fighters. You know, Chuck must give up another fighter. I love how the teams are being switched. This makes the uh, the friendships in the house more interesting and gives the teams better competition. So, so at first, I didn't like it when the teammates are getting switched because it's like, what's the benefit of the team winning the team challenge? You know what I mean? What's what's the real challenge of the team winning the challenge? If, if they win the challenge, they, they win the fight, and they're just going to have their teammates switch to the other team. So there's real no benefit to the teams for winning a competition. It's, it's really not a team challenge on the show. It's really an individual challenge on the show. But they did their best to make a team you know, to make it more interesting. But it's it's really just showing how, you know, both teams are just not, you know, it's, it's not really a competition for each team. It's really just an individual sport. But they did their best to make it a team sport on the show. You know what I mean? And there's no real rewards at all. Like, there's no team prizes for winning a competition or anything like that. The best thing that happens is, is they get to choose the fight. And just because they choose the fight, it doesn't mean that they're going to win. So, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty interesting to watch here. You know, the fighters should be happy because they get to train with two different coaches and, and two different teams and get a different approach to training and learn different techniques. So a lot of these fighters are getting traded to the opposite team, and they should look at this as a little bit of a blessing because if you train with the same training partners every day, you know what to expect, you know what punches to expect, you know what you know wrestling moves to expect, you know what you know submission techniques to expect. Um, it's just it's different, you know what I mean? When you switch teams, you're training with a different team. You get to see a different feel. You get to see different techniques. You get to see uh, different positions and different, you know, different types of fighters and different stances and things like that. So it actually kind of sharpens their skills up a little bit. It makes it a little bit less predictable. And um, they should be they should look at it as an opportunity. I understand why they would be, you know, kind of upset about that. They, they have an emotional bond with their teammates and things like that. But it's also it's a, it's a blessing in disguise, in my opinion. It keeps their skills a little bit sharper. It keeps their A game a little bit sharper. You know, they have to expect the unexpected now. The teammates hate it because they come, they became very close to their teammates and coaches. But at the end of the day, they are still alive. Excuse me, they are all they all still live in the same house, and they can all see each other. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I mean they switch teams, but at the end of the day, they still see their teammates every day. They still live in the same house, so it's not like too much has really changed. It's not like they're getting sent to a different location and they can never see their old teammates ever again. So it's really, you know, whatever. It's it's life. You know what I mean? And they're not on the show permanently. It's only a couple months, so they just have to suck it up. And like I mentioned before, you know, these teammates may end up fighting each other anyways. Chuck is put on the spot to decide who he wants to trade and hasn't had time to think about it. Liddell trades Kenny Florian, which is exactly who I would have traded to. Josh and Diego look incredible. Although we have never seen Kenny fight, I feel that Josh and Diego have shown great skills in the cage and we haven't seen Kenny fight yet. You know, unlike Josh, Kenny has a good attitude about being traded. Kenny is a smaller middleweight and says he is a true 155 pounder, but there's there, excuse me, but there are only two weight classes on the show, 185 pounds and 205. So that says a lot about Kenny Florian's skill and heart and competitive drive to compete with guys who weigh 30 pounds more than him at 185 pounds. So I mean, can you imagine that? Like this is already the most brutal sport in the world. People are already getting their faces punched out. People are already getting choked. You know, things are already happening to these people, and now. They're being, you know, traded to other teams and things like that. And this guy is fighting guys that are 30 pounds bigger than him in one of the most intense sports in the world. So it really says a lot about Kenny Florian, his heart, his determination. I have a lot of respect for Kenny Florian, but I honestly have no idea why this guy is fighting guys who are 30 pounds bigger than him. I mean, when you're talking about this level of skill, you know, fighting somebody who's 30 pounds bigger than you is a huge deal. It's a lot harder to stop a takedown from a guy that's 30 pounds bigger than you. It's a lot harder to take down your opponents from a guy that's 30 pounds bigger than you. 
I mean, it, it's a really big deal. So, I mean, I respect Kenny Florian for this, but I don't understand why he's on the show. I, I Like I said, it's the first season, so I'm going to cut him some slack. This is the first season of a new show, and I, it just shows how much respect I have for Kenny Florian for this. You know, Randy is very happy to have Kenny on the team. Uh, you know, and he's also very mature, so he's not like he's not an emotional, unstable guy. So he's not like, you know, he's not going to complain about losing or anything like that. You know, Kenny is very mature and seems to be a good teammate. You know, Randy also feels he may be underestimated at the fact that he's competing with guys uh, 30 pounds bigger than him. You know, it says a lot about his character. He has a lot of character. He's a really mature guy. And he's not making a big deal about, you know, being traded to another team like a lot of these other other guys did. You know, Josh Rafferty, he got traded to the other team. He made a big deal out of it. You know, Alex got traded to the other team. He made a big deal out of it. So it says a lot about his character. He's a really mature guy. You know, Randy, being the stand-up man that he is, tells Kenny he won't ask him questions about the other team. And Kenny can decide what information he wants to volunteer. So they're in a fierce competition right now. And, you know, you know, Randy Couture is still saying, look, man, you don't have to tell me secrets about the other team. Whatever you want to tell me, you can. But I'm not going to, like, you know, I'm not going to dig at you and try to get information about the other team. So, like I said, Randy Couture and, and, and uh, Chuck Liddell, they just have so much character. I have so much respect for these guys. That's why I love Randy. He always shows great character. You know, Sam says they're all feeling like a significant part of their team is now gone. First of all, Sam isn't a significant part of the team at all. So it doesn't even matter what he thinks. It's so funny that Sam would even have the audacity to say that. Like, nobody cares what you think about the team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, your team doesn't even like you, dude. Kenny doesn't seem to be a bully like Josh and Bobby was when Bobby was still on the team. So it's just one less peacemaker off of uh, Team Liddell. Uh, you know, you know, Stefan says there is a more, you know, carefree attitude in the house because there's only a week left on the show. Chris and Diego are having a good time cracking jokes, and they're both on opposite teams and will probably have to fight each other. Uh, there is less of that wolf pack mentality now that fighters are being eliminated and the teams are smaller. So now now the, the, the edge of the competition is over. That that roller coaster ride where we got to the apex climax of the you know of all the fighters where they were in fierce competition with each other, that, that's gone now. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of the fighters have been eliminated. You know, they're they're at the peak of this show. There's only a couple fights left before the semifinals and the finals. Uh, they're at their climax right now, so they're just kind of like they're 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 relieved to you know be off that team pressure now. You know, it's, there's not so much of you know Team Liddell versus Team Couture anymore. You know, the teams have been switched up, guys have been traded to the other teams, and a lot of these finalists are going to end up fighting each other anyway. So they're they're starting to realize that this this team competition is over now. So now you're going to see a little bit more relaxation. You're going to see a lot more peace in the household. And a lot of people have been eliminated. It's been a long journey on the show. So it's, it's going to be a little bit different mentality on the show now. There's less of that wolf pack mentality now that the fighters are being eliminated and the teams are smaller. If they really wanted to create a heavy rivalry, uh, which both teams, um, you know, they could have put in separate houses. You know, so if they really wanted to make this extreme rivalry, they could have put the teams in different houses like these guys all have a little bit of a bond with each other because they all live in the same house. Even though there was a you know a fierce competition with one another, they all live in the same house. They all see each other every day. So if they really wanted to make it like Team Liddell versus Team Couture, they could have had them live in different houses, and that would have really set it off because it's like now it's like okay, this is my enemy. I never see this guy. I only see him when I fight. You know, we know nothing about each other. But then it wouldn't be as interesting as a show because you know they're on separate you know they're on separate teams. Maybe it would have made it better. I don't know. But also it'd be a lot more expensive to you know run out two different shows for the house, and it would be a lot more you know camera time and you know it, it would be a lot more difficult I think. So either way I think they made the right decision by having them all live in the same house. 
And because of all these fighters spend time together in the house, regardless of the team, um, also the fact that fighters are being switched to different teams eliminates the tension and competitive edge between both teams. There's also a lot more room to move around in the house uh, with seven fighters being eliminated and only nine fighters in the house as opposed to uh, 16. So also, too, they're, they're not crammed in the house anymore. At first, there were 16 people in the house. They were fighting over food a little bit. I mean, can you imagine 16 grown men, you know, sharing a kitchen together? Like, that's insane. You know what I mean? There's, there's bound to be problems. Now it's, it's, seven men, it's seven men in a mansion now, so it's not so bad. Also, there is no alcohol in the house, which causes drama. You know, Kenny is excited to be on uh, Randy's team and said that originally he wanted to be on Randy's team to learn Greco-Roman wrestling. Uh, Randy says that Kenny and Lieben are working well with each other and giving each other a different feel at times, you know, teaching each other different techniques. You know, Kenny says that the middleweights on Team Liddell wanted to fight Lieben because of the intense rivalry. Now Kenny says he likes Lieben. So, yeah, like now, now the rivalry has really died down. It's kind of like towards the end of the season. You know, they're going to put their differences aside. They're realizing that they're going to fight each other. And it just is what it is. You know what I mean? All the fighters are allowed to watch TV. And a nice TV emerges from a piece of furniture uh, with the touch of a button. The fighters weren't allowed to watch TV on the show. You know, imagine telling a group of 16 grown men they're not allowed to leave the house. They're not allowed to use their phones or make phone calls or watch TV. If they weren't allowed to watch TV, they shouldn't have been allowed to drink alcohol in the beginning of the show either. So it's, it's kind of ridiculous. You're allowed to get, you know, really wasted. You're allowed to destroy your body with alcohol. You're allowed to, like, you know, jeopardize getting into a fight with one of your teammates. But, you know, God forbid you watch some TV, you know, to relax after training for eight hours a day. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, like I said, they just want to keep the intensity alive on the show. They want to get people's emotions riled up. And that, that's just the whole purpose of the show. They're, they're trying to make it as interesting as possible. If they, if they eliminate the TVs... Um, you know, there's there's a, there's a better chance that there's going to be more drama on the show. You know, guys are going to do more off the wall stuff. Like you saw, uh, Forrest Griffin climbing the wall and you know eating a bu eating a banana like a monkey and making banana noises. Excuse me, making monkey noises. And uh, you know, you, he he probably wouldn't have did that if there was a TV right there. You know what I mean? So a lot of the things they do is uh, you know to make the show more interesting. If they put a TV on the show, all the guys would really do is sit around and watch TV. There'd be a lot less drama. So they they do a lot of things on the show to intensify the drama. If they weren't allowed to watch TV, they shouldn't have been allowed to drink alcohol in the beginning of the show either. The TV is one of the older, original flat-screen TVs. It's amazing how time flies. So so this show is so old. It's it's one of the first, like, original flat-screen TVs. It still has kind of that bubble look to it. It's, like, one of the oldest flat-screen TVs there are. So this show is, is really old. I mean, I was watching this show when I was, like, in fifth grade. It's amazing how time flies. I was in fifth or sixth grade watching the first seasons of the show over 10 years ago. It seems like this was yesterday. Now the UFC is much bigger. It's amazing how time flies. The guys are watching UFC fights, of course. They're watching UFC 50. So they let them watch TV, but of course, they're only allowed to watch the fights. You know what I mean? So it's UFC 50. You know, they're all gathered around on the couch and they're watching the fights. Uh, they're watching it with their coaches, uh, Randy and Chuck. And Forrest talks about how this is a surreal experience because their coaches have fought in the UFC and they know the guys who are fighting in real life. So they're, they're starting to realize that this is an opportunity of a lifetime. I mean, they're making it to the climax of their career. They're looking to get a six-figure contract with the UFC. Um, they're sitting around with, you know, actual, you know, legends of the sport, you know, Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell. And now they're watching the fights on TV with Randy and Chuck Liddell. Like, it's, it's a surreal experience, you know what I mean? They've came a long way, and uh, it's, it's really amazing. They're a little bit starstruck right now, and they've really earned their position on the show. So I'm happy for all these guys right now. Everybody has a great time watching the fights like I do. 
Dana calls the house to talk to the fighters about the fights on TV. Uh, Dana is like, excuse me, Dana is live at the event. Alex Schoner talks about how everybody who hasn't fought yet is anxious to get in there and fight. They're all anxious. You know, Alex Schoner is the least most significant character on the show so far. He hasn't had much dialect so far. Uh, the next team challenge is pretty cool. Both team coaches will sit in a dunk tank. There are 30 cases of water bottles on the stairs. Okay, so my apologies. I'm skipping forward a little bit here. So they're watching the fights. They have a great time watching the fights. It's like a Friday or Saturday night. They're watching UFC 50 with their coaches. They're having a great time. They're watching the fights on TV with their coaches. And then the next day, they have another team challenge. And the next team challenge, uh, you know, their coaches are going to sit in a dunk tank. In a dunk tank, and uh, basically they have to carry 30 cases of water bottles on the stairs. You know, each team must collect all 30 cases from the stairs and place them in front of their coaches. The team to complete this first gets to choose their teammates' uh, next opponent and dunk the uh, opposing coach's team. So it's kind of like a little bit of a carnival show right here. And everything seems to be more lighthearted, even the team challenge. So now even even the teammates, they're not even really taking the team challenge too seriously because it's like, you know, we're all going to end up fighting each other anyway, so who really cares? Um, it's a little bit different mentality now. The challenge is basically a, re uh, a relay race. You know, each fighter collecting one case of water at a time and tagging their partner in it. Um, so it's like a relay race. Team Liddell wins, and Liddell told Forrest he was going to beat him up if he uh, got wet. So, of course, Forrest tried his best. You know, of course, you know, Chuck Liddell doesn't, doesn't want to get wet. Alex says he worked hard in this competition, and his team doesn't appreciate him. Of course, his team isn't going to appreciate him, and he has never earned their respect. You know, Sam and Forrest debate on who should fight next. You know, Sam says he did most of the work while Chuck and Forrest disagree. He claims it wasn't his idea of taking boxes from the top of the stairs that caused his team to win. In all reality, this may be true, but Forrest won the challenge and did the hardest part of gathering water bottles from the bottom of the stairs. You know, Sam is supposedly going for a degree in, in law at Harvard, and sometimes intellectual people have bad social skills. You know, not saying that being a college student makes you smarter than anybody or that not going to college makes you uh, dumb. In fact, many of the fighters on the show uh, completed college and have good jobs before MMA. MMA attracts hardworking, disciplined people. This is just my thoughts, but who knows? Forrest Griffin uh, feels Sam wanted to pick his fight to fight Alex. Uh, their team's weakest link to stay on the show as long as possible. So Alex is kind of like a, he, he's a, what's the word? He's an opportunist. You know what I mean? He doesn't care about his team. He doesn't care what his team thinks about him. He's looking to stay on the show as long as possible. And, and really, he's made it all the way to the end of the show without having to fight anybody. And um, so he, he's, he's a smart guy. He played his cards right. He's an opportunist. You know, people don't like him, but you know what? He's made it this far on the show. So he's doing something right. Four says uh, this is what all fighters, you know, should be doing. You know, Alex says he will fight Alex. Excuse me. Yeah. So the two Alexes are going to might fight each other. So I know that's a little bit confusing. They both have the same name. Alex says he will fight Alex because he feels the weakest link on the team. And this is funny because he says that right to Alex's face as he's sitting right in, you know, next to him on the couch. They both laugh about it and Forrest is a, is a pretty funny guy. Oh, excuse me. So I'm, I'm getting a little bit confused here. My apologies. Forrest is going to fight uh, Alex. And he, you know, they're, they're sitting around 
with the coaches and the teammates and Dana White, and they're saying, you know, who's going to fight next? And Four says, you know what, I'll fight Alex because Alex, I, I believe, is the weakest, you know, fighter on their team. And he says that right in front of him, and they're sitting on the couch together. So that's pretty disrespectful. I mean, it's kind of funny, but that guy's saying that right to your face. Oh, I think you're the weakest link on the team, so I'm going to fight you. He's saying that while he's sitting right next to you. They they both laugh about it. You know, Force is a pretty funny guy. Alex is uh, fine with Force thinking this and says he will prove him wrong. As the fighters uh, go upstairs, Stefan's supplements are ordered and are missing from his bag. Uh, Stefan wants to get to the bottom of this, so he starts searching through people's things. You know, he searches through everyone's bags and finds nothing. He goes downstairs and searches through Sam's bag with Diego and, and finds out that Sam has five beanies and three of his teammates are missing beanies. He has hats and three of the guys in the house are missing their hats. You know, Sam says he took them from the Richie's office and he said he could have them. You know what I mean? Sam says they can check with Pete. He claims his innocence. You know, there's so much hate towards Sam. This almost seems staged at this point. However, this does happen in a group setting sometimes. There's a guy or a girl that nobody likes. Um, so if you've ever been in a situation in your life, whether it's in college, whether you're away from home, there tends to be one person in the group that everybody picks on. You know what I mean? And they, they're kind of like the scapegoat for every situation. And in this particular situation on this show, it happens to be Sam. You know, nobody likes Sam on the show. Uh, they're all coming at Sam, you know, for doing this or doing that. So they're kind of blaming Sam for a lot of stuff on the show. You know, Josh says Sam is a spoiled rich kid with 10 degrees. You know, Sam says he's taking the clothes for his sisters. Sam is the least favorite guy on the show for sure. You know, so like I said, Josh has that bully mentality too. So, you know, now that Bobby Southworth is gone, you know, Josh is still continuing to be a bully. And he's just, you know, I guess this is his personality. And maybe he just doesn't like Sam. I mean, nobody really likes Sam. It's not just, you know, it's not just Josh. Nobody on the show likes Sam. You know, Kenny is pissed at him as well. You know, Sam is finally raising his voice and defending himself and saying he is not a thief, uh, confronting Josh Koscheck. You know, Josh smirks and doesn't really care. He doesn't like Sam. So, you know, poor Sam, he's getting accused of being a thief. He's being accused of being a traitor to his team. His own teammates don't like him. He's going through a lot of stuff on the show, but I don't think he cares. I think he's, you know, he's into himself. He's an opportunist, and he's looking to better himself on the show. You know, Diego talks to the manager of the show who runs the equipment, and Richie, the manager, says he will never, uh, he never gave him uh, extra clothes or allowed him to take clothes. It is confirmed Sam is a thief. Maybe not directly stealing stuff, but maybe people... You know, had those hats lying around the house and he took them. Or maybe he's directly stealing clothes from people's bags or belongings. Now he's considered a liar by his teammates, which is worse. You know, Chuck is put in an awkward position as Diego tells Chuck about the situation and says he doesn't want to train with Sam. Sam is in a tight spot. You know, Sam still claims his innocence, but it doesn't seem like he's lying, especially if the manager said that. A lot of the fighters have been on the show, and it is a possibility those fighters left the hats and closed behind before they were kicked off the show. Just a possibility, but I'm not sure. So it's really not even a big deal. I mean, we're talking about a couple beanies going missing, some cheap, you know, $10, $15 beanies on the show. Who cares? You know what I mean? They're all bored. They're all stressed out. And something as little as a hat or a beanie going missing is enough to set everybody off. And, um, you know, they're bored. They're under a lot of stress. They're still on the show. So, you know, it's just convenient for them to blame Sam for this. You know, maybe Sam took the hats. Maybe he didn't. Who knows? There's only a couple weeks left on the show, but everybody's just stressed out. And something as little as a couple little cheap beanies, you know, going missing is enough to set everybody off. You know, and, and now Diego Sanchez is bringing this to Chuck Liddell saying, you know, this guy's a thief. I don't even want to train with him. 
I don't even respect this guy. And he's just making a big deal out of the situation. And Chuck is, and to be fair to Chuck, Chuck has been pretty neutral. You know what I mean? You know, Chuck could have really, you know, joined in on this. If he wasn't a professional, you know, character, Chuck could have really chimed in on this and said, you know what? Fuck this guy. You know, I don't, I don't really care for him. You know, we're all going to be hard on Sam. I want to trade him to another team. You know, you know, if Chuck wasn't a professional guy, he could have, you know, really, you know, addressed the situation in a different way. But Chuck is a professional. He's a mature man. So he's not going to sit there and, uh, you know, take sides in the situation. He's going to stay neutral. You know, Chuck is neutral about the situation and says he does not accuse uh, people of stealing stuff without proof. Uh, there's really only two weeks left on the show. And Sam tells Chuck he doesn't care. He's just focused on competing. You know, Sam is in a bad situation, especially if his own teammates don't uh, want to roll with him. So at first it was kind of like... You know, whatever, they didn't like him. But now it's to the point where his own teammates don't even want to train with him, and that's pretty bad. You know, Sam continues to defend himself and his innocence. Uh, this is a tight situation. Lieben and Chris asked Pete, the boxing coach, if he gave uh, Sam permission to take the beanies and hats, and he denies this as well. You know, Sam lies Sam lies uh, look like they are catching up with him. So now, you know, he claims, oh, well, I, I talked to the manager, and he said I could take these extra beanies. And now they ask Pete and, you know, I guess who was, you know, in charge of some of the equipment. And he says, no, I never gave him permission to take this stuff. So now it looks like, you know, Sam's lies are starting to catch up with him a little bit. You know, Sam's lies look like they're catching up with him. Kenny feels that Sam isn't a real fighter. He thinks he's on the show to be on TV and get some free stuff. He definitely doesn't come across as a fighter. But I guess we will have to see how, the, how he performs in the octagon. He definitely is not a team player, that's for sure. You know, Sam wasn't even on good terms with him uh, with him to begin with. Now his own friends are on the green team. Uh, you know, they don't even like him either. So at first it was like, you know, Chuck Liddell's team didn't like him. Um, and now, oh, this, this is the part that I was missing. So at first his own teammates didn't like him, but at least, you know, Team Couture's teammates like Sam. You know, he was always friendly with Team Couture. Now it's to the point where Team Couture doesn't even like him. You know, they think he's a thief as well. So now everybody in the house hates him. At first it was just Team Liddell didn't like him. Now Team Couture doesn't like him. So now actually everybody on the on the show officially does not like Sam. So Sam is in a bad situation now. At first it was just his own team. Now it's both teams that don't like him. So he's in a bad situation now. You know, Sam needs to try to survive the next final two weeks in the house. However long he stays on the show. Um, now Kenny Florian confronts him after talking to the coach Pete who he said would vouch for him. Uh, Sam defends himself vigorously. At the end of the day, it's just a couple hats and beanies and shin guards that are missing. It's not the end of the world, but it's more about the principle of the situation. Uh, so it, it's kind of a weird situation. I mean, because maybe the coaches did, you know, let him take a couple extra beanies or something. Maybe now that the cameras are there and there's all this pressure, maybe the coaches are saying, oh, no, 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 I, I didn't let him, uh, you know, take these extra beanies or hats. You know, now that the cameras are right there. You know, now they're in a tense situation, but there's a strong possibility they might have been like, all right, whatever, man, you can take some extra hats. I don't care. But now that the cameras are right there and, you know, everybody knows about the situation, now they're going to deny it. So th there's a possibility the coaches threw him under the bus. Who knows? You know, Forrest admits he has gone into the office before looking for some stuff. You know, Alex says he's originally from Patagonia, Ar Argentina. And that he used to be a bar fighter until he learned about mixed martial arts. So now we're finding a little bit more out about Alex. You know, Alex has been an extremely quiet character on the show. We don't really know too much about Alex. But now we're starting to learn a little bit more about Alex here. He says this made him a better person. It made him better in the ring. You know, Alex, uh, Alex and Couture go over a game plan. And Randy tells Alex he wants to take Force down. And repeatedly, uh, he says he can repeatedly take him down. So basically, Alex is getting prepared to fight uh, Forrest Griffin. You know, Forrest Griffin already called out Alex. He said he thinks he's the weakest player on the team. 
Uh, so now he's training to fight Forrest Griffin. We don't know too much about, you know, Alex, but we'll see what happens. You know, Brandy explains that his nickname was McTappins because he kept getting tapped on, t- on Liddell's team before coming over to Couture's team. So Alex originally used to be on Team Couture, excuse me, Team Liddell, and now he got traded to Team Couture. And, you know, Randy Couture is explaining that they used to call him McTappins because he used to get tapped all the time. Randy says he's impressed. He said he's improved a lot since then. You know, Alex says he's learned, uh, you know, being the underdog in this situation and says his ground game has improved. He says he loves being the underdog in the situation. Excuse me. Randy says Alex's uh, competitive nature comes uh, when it's time to fight. You know, Alex slams Randy to the mat very hard in practice. So Al- Alex actually looks like a decent fighter, but this is another situation where we have a guy who's not skilled on the ground. There's so many guys on the show that aren't skilled on the ground. I really don't understand that. Why are you on the Ultimate Fighter show if you don't have a background in grappling? I mean, grappling is arguably much more important than striking because if you can take your opponent down, you can you can submit them or ground and pound them. But if, if you don't know how to grapple, you shouldn't be on the show. You know, Randy tells Alex, you know, Forrest will come out, you know, guns blazing, and Alex needs to weather the storm. So, you know, Forrest's style, he's very aggressive. He comes out, he throws a lot of wild punches, and uh, that's just his style. So, you know, Alex is, is anticipating him to come out with guns blazing. You know, Randy says Forrest has a reckless style where he leaves himself open while Alex is more technical, and Randy hopes he can capitalize on this. You know, a- Alex recognizes the type of uh, competitor that Forrest is. You know, Forrest broke his arm in his last fight and knocked the guy out with his other arm. These are the type of guys who fight in the UFC. You know, Alex knows this won't be easy. You know, Forrest wants to win this fight and win $5,000 so he can have surgery on his arm and fix it. So can you imagine that? You broke your arm in a previous fight. Your arm is literally deformed. You're still training with the arm. I mean, his forearm is literally bent like a banana. His arm is, is deformed at this point. He's still fighting. He's fighting another fight with a deformed arm to to fight to get $5,000 to get surgery on his arm to get his arm fixed. I mean, that's crazy. These guys are really in a tight situation. You know, this is where I kind of relate this to my own life. You know, I had a big mistake in my life. I made uh, the big mistake that I made in my life was I had a major surgery on my shoulder. I tore my labrum. You know, I I didn't tell my job I was going to have the surgery. I just had it and told my job afterwards. Uh, This was dishonest, but the surgery did not help. It made it worse. Um, I felt I rushed the decision, and my recommendation to anybody out there who thinks that they need surgery is to get three opinions before they have surgery. So this surgery had a really bad impact on my life. Um, Surgery did not go well. There was a couple years where I was out of work. I was in extreme pain. This was a very dark chapter in my life. I only had one opinion. My arm was fully functional before surgery. I just was not able to lift as much weight as I wanted to. You know, you know, do not ever force a surgery. Injuries are a part of being an athlete. You know what I mean? My life fell apart for a long time, but God works in mysterious ways. At the time, I was hanging out with the wrong crowd, and I really wanted to get off of medications for Crohn's disease. Uh, now I'm close to getting off medications, and I'm following a new career path uh, that I would have never followed if it had not been for that surgery. So it was a really hard time in my life. You know, I had this major surgery. Uh, I stopped taking my Crohn's disease medications because I was just kind of messed up in the head after having surgery. And I, I really wanted to get off of these medications. It really kind of messed me up in the head that I have to take these powerful medications for Crohn's disease. So I stopped taking these medications. I, I was very in a lot of pain from the shoulder surgery. It was a very dark chapter in my life. And now I'm doing this podcast in 2021. And I'm in a situation now where I'm getting ready to get off of these medications and, um, you know, I'm working with a nutritionist. So it's just amazing how time flies doing this podcast five years after the surgery. And even now, like, ironically, 
while I'm doing this podcast, I just met with a physical therapist today because the shoulder pain came back. So sometimes your your past comes back to haunt you, unfortunately. That's just how life works. Uh, one thing I learned from life in a documentary on Randy Couture's life is that every setback is for a major comeback. You have to learn to appreciate the obstacles. It's been 13 months since Forrest's last fight. Uh, both fighters make weight. Nathan confronts Sam about the stealing situation because Nathan stood up for Sam in the past. So, you know, Nathan's a really good guy. You know, while everybody's been bullying Sam on the show, they've all been teasing Sam and making fun of him. Uh, Nathan's been the one who's kind of been the neutral one in the situation. Like, Nathan's very mature. You know, he didn't take sides in the situation. He said, like, listen, man, I'm going to stay neutral in this situation. I'm I'm not going to bully Sam like everybody else did. He stood up for Sam. You know, Nathan just has a tremendous amount of character. He's a good guy. And the boxing coach, Pete, confronts Sam as well on the situation. And Sam still sticks to his story. So now, you know, at first Sam was like, oh, well, you know, Sam, you know, the Pete, the boxing coach, he said I could take these extra beanies and hats. So now the other teammates, they went to go ask, you know, Pete, if this is true. And Pete was like, hell no, I didn't tell me you could take that. So now Pete is pissed off and he actually confronts Sam about it. He's like, look, man, I never told you you could take these extra beanies. I, I think personally, I, I think Pete is lying. And for some reason, Sam seems like he's telling the truth. Um, it's hard to tell. You know, it almost sounds like maybe the, the boxing coach did not, you know, tell him he could take the hats because his body language seemed like he didn't want to discuss it, but he curses at Sam and tells Sam to fess up. So it, it's kind of hard to tell who's telling the truth in this situation. Personally, I, I could care less. It's a couple of hats. It's a couple of beanies. But like I said, they're just in a, in a tight situation on the show. So they're just they're they're going to get upset about anything. You know, Sam says he was already planning on doing that in, in the first place. So, you know, you know, Nathan comes to Sam and he says, listen, man, you got to make the situation right. You know, we've already confronted you about this lie. You need to make the situation right for the other teammates on the show. And Sam says, I was already planning on doing that. So, you know, Sam says, he, Sam says everybody took extra supplies from the room. Sam calls everybody together in the house and apologizes for the mishap. And uh, he leaves the extra stuff in a bag for everybody to take. So he takes all the extra hats that were missing, all the extra, you know, hats and shirts and shin guards. He leaves everything in a bag and he says, look, guys, whatever you guys want to take, you can take it. You know what I mean? He does the mature thing in the situation, which is really a good idea because, you know, you don't want to piss off a bunch of fighters in the house. That's not a good idea. Uh, I feel like Sam might be telling the truth and Pete on the other and Pete or the other manager might be covering themselves and not telling the truth. The whole situation is corny and childish at this point. But I guess when these fighters are under a stress away from home, away from their families, things will stress people out. Uh, Sam is definitely the scapegoat in the situation. The other teammates probably took stuff from the office as well. Uh, you know, Forrest even admitted that he took stuff from the office before. Uh, Sam just isn't liked by anybody, really. You know, Sam says that none of the teammates admitted to taking the stuff from the office. You know, Alex says he is a pretty mellow guy until he steps into the ring. Uh, when he steps into the ring, it's a war. That is exactly what I see from Alex. He's a quiet guy on the show. Uh, the most insignificant fighter on the show, but I bet he fights well. So Alex is like the quiet gangster on the show. He doesn't talk a lot. He hasn't really got any airtime on the show. But I bet when he gets in the octagon, he really fights well. Although he said he doesn't have a good ground game. But, you know, Randy Couture claims that he's gotten good at ground skills. But the thing is, it takes years and years to develop ground skills. You're not going to develop ground skills overnight. Like, that just does not happen. So it's hard to tell. You know what I mean? We're going to see. I, I think Force is a very solid fighter. So, I mean, my, my money's on Forrest, but I feel like Alex really knows how to fight. Uh, Forrest doesn't know what to expect fighting Alex. This is all BS because they all live in the same house. They're away from their families and they're all uh, bonded together. 
trust me, somebody's saying something about the fighters before they train. You know what I mean? Like, they're all talking about each other's skills in the house. They're all gossiping like little girls. They're all bored on the show. There's no entertainment. There's no TV. They're not allowed to talk to their family members. They're not allowed to leave the house. Of, of course, they're, they're going to talk about each other's skill sets. So, you know, Forge Griffin says, oh, I don't know what to expect. Of course, he's going to know what to expect. You know, word travels fast about each other. That's probably all they talk about is training when they come home. So I'm sure Forrest knows what to expect. You know, word travels fast. You know, it's not like they're in some top secret training facility away from each other. They all live in the same house. So they're all going to get information about each other. Uh, Randy has already said his team called him a tapper. So his ground game may be his, his weakness. Uh, Forrest Griffin walks into the ring at 26 with a record of 9-2 and two at 6'3", 205 pounds from Athens, Georgia. The hard part of, uh, about, excuse me, the hard part or interesting part about the show is they keep a secret. They keep a secret. The fight is training for most parts of the show. So like you really don't know what these fighters skills are. Like we don't get to see them train or anything like that. And they do a good job of doing that because if you know what to expect, it wouldn't be as exciting. But since we don't really get to see them train, uh, we don't get to see like we don't get to anticipate who's going to win. You know, a lot of the times, you know, sometimes we can guess about it, but we don't really get to see their specific skill sets in practice. So they do a good job of keeping that from everybody. Uh, the show will tell us if they're a good striker or a good grappler or if they're a college wrestler, but we never get to see them train very much. So we just hear about it from the coaches themselves or their teammates. Uh, Dana says Force is a very well-rounded fighter with good strikes and submissions. Everybody describes fighter as a, everybody describes Forrest Griffin as a little bit crazy. I mean, we literally saw this guy, you know, crawling around like a monkey, munching on a banana, you know, you know, climbing the walls of the house. So I think Forrest Griffin is a little bit crazy. Like I said, you have to be kind of crazy to want to be a fighter. So I think this is probably an accurate description of him. You know, Dana believes Forrest is going to win. I agree based on the fact that Randy said his teammates called him the tapper when he switched teams. And Dana says Forrest has solid grappling. Uh, Alex Schoner comes in. Okay, so now they're walking into the ring and they're getting ready to fight. So I'm actually going to leave that for a second part of the podcast.